0: and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. Thanks, Gabe, and thanks again to the band. You guys were amazing. It was a wonderful morning. Um, Yeah, you can give it up to them again. Well, we are continuing our series. I'm going to come down here, even though the band was up here. We are continuing our series on friends that we've been talking about. And we're, we're going through First John because John is considered by many to be the best friend of Jesus. He was one of the three, Peter, James, and John. He was there at the Transfiguration. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He writes in his own gospel, the one whom Jesus loved, as he would sit next to Jesus, put his head on his chest. He was someone who was close to Jesus. And even though there's over 5,400 words used in the New Testament, in these three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John only uses 303 words. He's very redundant. He's repeating these things over and over again. And he's at the end of his life, the later years. And so it's kind of like Grandpa John is telling us like it is. He's wanting to, to put these things that are really important into the hearts and minds of these people because at the end of his life he's kind of summarizing this really is what it's about. And every third verse in First John has to do with love because that is the prominent part of not only his writings but of the gospel. And so as John is writing these things, we want to look into them I need my Bible. I forgot my Bible. Gil, it's in my bag. Can you? No, yours is good, I'm sure, but (laughs) thanks, Val. Man, that's embarrassing. I didn't forget it. It was just, well, I did forget it. Okay, you know, I'm pulling out of that one. So open up to 1 John. We're in chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 1 through 6. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice. Some of your translations might say the propitiation. It's a big word that means the one who replaces. He's the replacement for the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we may know, we may be sure that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever keeps his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Have you ever been misunderstood? Maybe I should ask, is anyone married? (laughs) Right? Because oftentimes we're misunderstood. Language doesn't always translate the way we want it to do. Oftentimes, my, my wife is misunderstood. I will ask her, what's wrong? And she'll say, nothing. <laughs> and I say, okay. <laughs> and, and you see, that word, nothing, means something. And, and if I don't understand that there's really something behind that, that she's saying nothing, but she's really saying you better stay and figure out what is wrong if you really have any concern about your (laughs) well-being or something along those lines, right? And so she might say nothing and I might be oblivious and say, cool, I'm going to the movies with my friends. I'm misunderstanding what she's meaning. And we all do this in some way or another, right? We all have this this time when we meant something, but it was interpreted as something else. And we're misunderstood, whether it's in the relationship or whether it's at work, with family, friends, so many times we are misunderstood. And I think in these passages right here that we just read, I think that John is very often misunderstood. I don't think that John intended these verses to mean what a lot of people have taken them to mean. And we're going to kind of look at that because by verse 3, we start to see what he is talking about. But he starts off saying he's writing these things so we may not sin. That's his point. And that's a good point, right? I'm writing these things so that you don't sin, but immediately says, but if you do. So he's kind of giving us this loophole so that if you do, there is something there for you. There there is Christ for us, right? That he is the one who stepped into this place. He is the atoning sacrifice for us and not only for us, but for the world. But then in verse three, he says, by this, we will know him. It's, It's a test to see if we actually know him, he says, By this we may be sure that we know him if we keep his commandments. And what we start to do is when we hear the word keep his commandments, we think that this is about understanding if we have genuine faith. In other words, we we think that this letter is written so that we might have faith, that we might be sure we're going to heaven, not hell kind of a thing. But this letter wasn't a test of genuine faith, but a test of actually genuine friendship. He's not describing how we are saved from God's judgment. He's telling us how we can know that we are in relationship with Jesus. And it's real important to understand this Otherwise, we start to take this dark turn to a place where we start thinking that it is all about what we do. And he's not saying that unless you keep his commandments, you are not saved. That's not his intention. Well, how do we know this, Sam? How do we know you're not just saying this? I'm not just saying this. This is something that John has saying. This line of reasoning is contrary to so many things that John has said. And so I want to briefly go through those things. One of them is a verse you guys know, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who does what he says, oh wait, it doesn't say that. Everyone who believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life. And so it is believing in him that's important. It's not that you have to do whatever he says to get this life. Another one. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, and this is John's writing of what Jesus said, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. And so again, we see that believe in him who sent him. We believe in God. That's what saves us. It's not that we do all the right things and now we are assured this place with God, it is we believe on him. In Acts, or excuse me, John chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so belief is central in Jesus's teaching as John relates it. It's real important that we understand that it's about what we believe that brings us into the dynamic of the relationship. It's not that you do all the right things. Jesus would often contrast The things that the Pharisees did, oh, they tithe and and they do this. They say their prayers before people, but they are not right before God because they don't believe in the one who sent him. You search the scriptures, he said, and in them you think you have eternal life, but they are that which speak of me, and they didn't believe in him. We also have an account in Acts, Acts chapter 16, verse 31, where Paul and his assistant or friend Silas were in prison in a a dark, dank jail. And they were singing praises to God when there was an earthquake that shook and opened the prison doors. And the guy who was controlling the chief warden, so to speak, of the prison freaked out. And he said, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And there is this power in believing something because when you believe something, you are moved towards that direction. You are entrusting those things. Right now, all of you believe that the chair you're sitting on will hold you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting on the chair. And so that belief has moved your life. And this is the thing that John continually reinforces. This is the thing that scripture continually enforces is it's about those who believe. And John is inviting us into something deeper than just a belief in Jesus. He's inviting us into something that is more than forgiveness and it's friendship. The point of John's letter is to develop a friendship with Jesus. The point of the gospel is about friendship with Jesus and with God. I know a lot of us have come to faith because we wanted to be forgiven. Maybe there's something in our life when we're saying, oh man, I am so messed up. How messed up are you? That's none of your business. But I am so messed up, and I need forgiveness. And that's a good thing. It's good to to seek God and get forgiveness. It's a necessary thing. It's an important thing. But it is the beginning. It, it is not the conclusion. We don't end here. We move from here, or we should into something that's much deeper. And it would be a shame if we thought that this Christianity, this this belief in Jesus was just about being forgiven and it wasn't about something more. It would be tragic because the point of forgiveness is so that we could know the one who forgives. See, the forgiveness opens the door to the relationship. And it's all about that relationship. What this is about is not just to introduce people to forgiveness, but to introduce them to the one who forgives. Remember, this whole series, Friends, we talked about how Jesus said, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You're no longer servants who have to do what I tell you. You're friends and I tell you what the Father wants and now you're in on it. You see, the point is to be in on it, to be on the inside. You ever in a group of people and they like know each other and they've got all these inside jokes and you're not there and they say, yeah, that looks orange and they all start laughing. (laughs) And you're like, (laughs) orange what's that you know oh you had to be there well I wasn't so you know can you and it's like well I'm outside of this well when you're on the inside you have the understanding the knowledge you see this is the invitation to be on the inside to have the knowledge I don't call you servants I call you friends and he's writing As he said, so that we do not sin, there is something that in these words that through the power of the Holy Spirit can actually help us so we don't fall into sin. But if, again, there's that good news, if we sin, we have someone who has taken our place, someone on our side. We have a friend looking out for us and not just for us, but for the whole world. And what we're starting to see is the character of this friend, the the depth of who this person, Jesus, is. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's the one who takes our place, not just for us, but for everyone. That's who he is, and that's what he wants us to understand, that what we need is to believe in him. That's how we enter into the salvation and i know some people say that's too easy just believe there there has to be something more you have to prove to god that you believe you have to prove it god's up there in heaven saying okay you believe prove it i'll give you a decade let's see how you do i had a pastor who used to say that you better not die after you sin and not get it right with god or that's it you're in hell and be like, oh, my gosh. You know, you're living on, walking on eggshells. It's like, oh, that jerk. Oh, no, don't strike me with dead if I called him a jerk and i die right now. And, and just the weight of that is just overwhelming. And then you start to wonder, well, is there something I haven't been aware of? You know, maybe, you know, someone tells you, man, you really hurt my feelings. He said this to me. And it's like, oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, no, what if I would have gotten a car accident and not gotten right with you? Would I have gone to hell? Oh, man, I can't tell you how many altar calls I went up because, man, i got to make sure I'm saved because this was a bad week. I hope he says that prayer because i got to go up. Man, I hope I don't die before I get the chance to go up and get saved again. And there is this insecurity with so many people they think it's about having to do all these things. But he tells us in verse 3, now by this we may be sure. That we what? That we know him. That we may be sure. John moves past forgiveness and into a deeper relationship with him. Belief brings us into this relationship but there is so much more. And John, the one who walked with Jesus, the one who talked with Jesus, one of Jesus's closest friends is inviting us in to this more. And this word keep, some translations that might say obey, but the word keep, it's one of John's favorite words. He uses it three times in these three verses. And it's really about discipleship. The word literally means to watch. It means to watch or, or to guard or to follow closely. And he constantly repeats these things. In verse 4, whoever says, I have come to, to know him. In other words, you have entered into this relationship. You know him, but you don't keep his commandments. You're not watching him. You're not intent. You're you're a liar. And in such person, the truth does not exist. What, what is he saying here? He's saying that if you are knowing him, and you are going to keep watch of him. That's what discipleship is going to look like. Verse five, he keeps repeating these things, but whoever keeps his word, that means watches those things, keeps his word. Truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. And this in him is not the same thing as it might be as in Christ. There's a lot who will differentiate between in Christ and in him. In Christ has to do with the Messiah and salvation. In him has to do with the person of Jesus and this dynamic of the friendship. Whoever says, I abide in him, verse 6, ought to walk just as he walked. If you really are walking with him, Shouldn't you be walking in the same direction? If you are friends like John was friends, then you should be walking like he walked. This was John's life for three years. He literally walked where Jesus walked. Jesus got up and said, hey, need to go to Samaria. Guess what? We're going to Samaria. I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm going with Jesus. I'm not following Peter. He cusses too much. Got a hot head. I'm not after him not following Thomas, he's got anxious issues, he's anxiety, you can't trust him, not following Bartholomew, who knows, he doesn't do anything, you know. (laughs) I'm following Jesus. And so Jesus says, hey, I'm going here. He says, I'm going too. That's what I do. And that's the whole idea of this keep. It's the criteria that's taking place in these verses. It's what it means. But we think the word means Do, he who does my commands, but the idea again is to watch or guard or tend to. The word in the Greek is chereho and it has to do with be focused on, not actually doing. Even the definition of obey is to follow the guidance of. And we have to recognize that there's something more than just doing that there's something that takes place deeper. You're tending to, watching, willing to subject yourself to. It's not the exterior activity, but the interior posture. Yesterday, Corrine and I were with Ben and Kristen, who are married, by the way. (laughs) Congratulations. And as... We were driving back, we were talking just about all the things that the Lord had had done in their life and brought them out of. And how one of the things that starts to take place is you start becoming aware that I used to do this. Whenever I would see something, I would think, oh, I wonder about this. And then pretty soon you go by those places where you used to do those things and you don't even think it anymore. It's not even your mind. And then you get past the place and you think, wow, I didn't go to that place in my mind that I used to go to. Why? Because something has changed within me. See, I didn't think, oh, I better not think, I better not do. I just stopped. Why? Because I'm following a different direction and those things start to to fall away. They start to fall to a different path because you're on a different road. And that's what we want. If Jesus goes this way, I'm going this way. That's what it's about. Jesus says in his words, follow me. And you see, that's the invitation. It's not be forgiven. Oh, that's there. That's important. But that's the beginning. It goes on to follow me. See, when Jesus called the disciples to follow him, were they forgiven? No, they are just following him. They didn't even know they needed the forgiveness that Jesus would provide until they started following him. Then they found the forgiveness, and then they found much more. Then they were entrusted with the keys to the kingdom. Why? Because you're my friends. Continue this work. And to be invited into this is what we want In 1 John chapter 5, later on, John is going to write, for the love of God is this, that we may keep his commandments and his commandments aren't burdensome. Now, if you grew up in church, you might think, oh, his commandments are burdensome, all right. I lived in a religious bubble, okay. I could not watch The Simpsons. I could not listen to anything any good music I could not go to most of the movies my friends went to I could not go and hang out at their houses there it was burdensome following Jesus was very burdensome okay some of you are laughing because you you know that that's the life that you live you see and if you've grown up in church that might be your mentality that might be the reality that you know you see but the point is that if it's a burden, then it's something that is being forced upon you. You see, we keep his commandments and they're not a burden. Why aren't they a burden? Because it's what I want. You see, I want to follow Jesus because of what Jesus means to me. He knows me. I mean, he really knows me, and he's forgiven me, and he loves me still. Yes, I want to follow him. I can't imagine my life without him. He is so important to me. And Jesus, when he asks, what is the greatest commandment? The commandment, what should I do? What is the most important thing for me to do? And he didn't say, well, you better stop lying. You better not cheat. Don't kill anybody. He said, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The commandment is to love, is to put your heart, because if he has our heart, he has everything. He has everything. Everything. we can't reduce it to a list of things that we have to obey and do these things it has to do with entering into this relationship where we walk where he walks where we listen to what he says where we do the things because he's doing those things and we are in a dynamic a living powerful relationship with him that we are actually friends with jesus and we've been invited to this don't settle For something less. Well, you know, you got to go to church. You got to read your Bible. You got to do these things. Why do you want to give your your hard-earned money away to these things, these works? Why would you want to get up on a Sunday morning? That's your day off. Sleep in. Why do you want to do these things? You might be thinking, yeah, why do I want to do these things? (laughs) You will go there until you say, no, I get to encounter Jesus Maybe you were touched as they were singing and it just brought healing to your soul and you thought, I need this. No, I want this. This is what my soul craves. This is the life I want to pursue. This is who I want to be like. I want to live like and love like Jesus. And it's all about the relationship. When I do dog training, I'll get a phone call and the people will say, Yes, I have this dog and I want you to help me, you know, to get the dog to stop chewing the furniture or, or to stop biting or to stop going to the bathroom in the house. I want this is what I want. I want you to get the dog to do this as if I can just reprogram the dog's head, you know, okay, there, he's fixed. He will no longer go to the bathroom on the rug. And I always start off, did someone say amen? (laughs) I always start off, I say, you know, it's about the relationship. The dog will only listen to you if they see that you are the leader and they can trust you. If they know that you're in charge and then they know that you are going to take charge without hurting them, then they will listen to what you say. And I'll go into a home and they'll say, Oh, this dog's crazy. It will not stop barking. Good luck trying to get this dog to stop barking. And I'll go in there and they'll say, he'll bark for a half hour. We have to put him outside and in the other room. And all we do is hear in the other door. You know, barking, barking, barking. And so I say, okay, well bring him in. Oh no, if we bring him in, it just gets worse. And they'll bring him in, I'll work with the dog. Can't give away my secrets because you know that's my profession. <laughs> Five minutes, the dog's sitting there, calm, laying down, and they're like, what? He knows who's in charge. Yeah, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) And the dog says, oh, you're in charge? I can chill out now. I can relax because you're here. You See, that's what we need is a relationship with Jesus where we can stop our barking, where we can stop our whining, Because we know he's here. We can know he's with us because we are in relationship with him. He's invited us into this point. The point is to be in this dynamic friendship with Jesus. See, when you start saying, well, you have to do these things, Otherwise can't get to heaven. You have to stop your drinking, you can't cuss, you can't you can fill in your list. You can just fill up lists. You can't do these things or else. Is that love? Is that how we have friendships? Maybe in junior high school, right? you're friends with them you're not my friend who's your best friend i'm your best friend right (laughs) see if i have to do these things otherwise i will get cast into hell if i have to do these things otherwise i cannot have this relationship that's not love that's tyranny that's fear that, that's something that puts us in a place where we're now scared because the dog trainer is going to beat us to death if we don't listen. Who wants to listen to that? I have to, otherwise, I'm going to get it. Is that what a friend does? Isn't Jesus calling us into this relationship of friends? Why would I want to do something like that? That's religion. That's not the gospel that John preached. That's not the gospel that Jesus preached. Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. You're invited into this relationship so that you can actually be part of the relationship. And what keeps you from sin is having a friend like Jesus. What keeps you from sin is walking where he walks because you want to be where he is because he's the one who satisfies the craving of your soul because he's the one who has what you need. It's not about, oh, I've got to do this or else. It's about, I can't imagine doing anything else. This is what I want for my life. I love you because you first loved me. You've given yourself for me. You've become the replacement for my sin so that I can have this dynamic relationship and know you. And now I want to follow you. Don't settle for a religion that requires you to do when you are being invited to a relationship where you can know. And when you know and you love, it means everything. Because if God has our heart, he has us. I've said it before. You can know the right thing, but if you love the wrong thing, you will make the wrong choice. And a lot of us today have to admit, I love the wrong things. I love these things more than I love Jesus. I'm not saying you're not forgiven. Oh, he's gracious if you believe in him. But wouldn't you like to know him? Wouldn't you like to be a friend like John was with him? And it's available to us now because God doesn't just want your obedience. He wants your heart. He wants the relationship. He wants the friendship. And that will take us into a deeper commitment. And the invitation is throughout this letter. It's the reason he wrote this. It wasn't so, I'm writing these things so that you can be forgiven. I'm writing these things so that you can know that you are forgiven and you can actually become deeper friends with Jesus himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have invited us into this relationship, that we are not just here paying our dues. We are not here just doing our service, that we are here because you have invited us into this friendship with you. Lord, that we would keep, that we would watch, that we would go after your commands because we are going after you. That we would want, Father, the same things that you want. That we would walk where you walk. That we would follow this example that has been given to us And Lord, I pray for everyone here who who is maybe settled for forgiveness and and felt that that's all I need is just to get to heaven. And may these words pull on their heart that what you want is so much more. And there's some here who maybe even have yet to believe. They, They have come to church and they've heard about you, Jesus, but what they really need to do is believe that You are who you say you are, that you love like you say you love, that you can do what you said you could do. And, Father, that we could have this life with you if we would just believe. And so I pray that you would move on our hearts to this place of belief and that you would move us even deeper still to a place where we know. We know you. We become friends with you. And we engage you, the living God, who has so loved us that he has given himself for us. As our eyes are closed and everyone's praying, I just want to ask if God has stirred your heart and has provoked you to more. Maybe you've settled for a, a, a religious representation instead of a relationship with a living God. And God has prompted you to have more. I want that to be evident in your heart. As everyone's praying, would you just raise your hand and I can pray for you in that regard? Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Lord, I do pray you would prompt the hearts to move deeper, our hearts to want more. To stir us, God, into your ways. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. May you find forgiveness in the one who has taken your place. More than that, may you find the one who has brought you the forgiveness. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you guys next week.